Glory to Jesus Christ, Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their history, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is the story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by Eastern Christian Publications, where you can find the prayers of the Catholic Byzantine Daily Office at ecpubs.com and by easternchristianmedia.com, a broadband network for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's easternchristianmedia.com. Glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loyal, your host. And, well, I guess we're back to school, aren't we? We're getting really into the autumn-fall season, that school season. Most of the kids have been going back to school. Colleges have long since been back in their sessions. Well, so we'll go back to school here a little bit at Light of the East. It's that time of the year. From time to time, we kind of dust off some of our points that we make. Well, we've made them actually throughout the years here, Light of the East, the points that I call the gifts of the Eastern churches to the whole church and to the world. So we're going to look at some of those gifts, kind of go back to school a little bit, have a little class session here. But if you want to learn more about the Eastern churches, in addition to listening to this program, and I'm glad that you are, and please pass it along to friends. You can also attend a very exciting event and get a sense of a cross-section of all the Eastern Catholic Churches, and that is called the Encounter, the Eastern Catholic Churches Encounter 2012. The Eastern Catholic Churches Encounter 2012. This is taking place in three different locations across the country. The next ones up are October 11th to the 14th. Now it's in the east. It's going to be held at St. Mary's Byzantine Catholic Center in Hillsboro, New Jersey. That's Thursday to Sunday, October 11th to the 12th, 2012 in Hillsboro, New Jersey. On the west coast, Many of you listen to us from the West Coast, got a lot of fans out there, and we appreciate it. This conference is going to take place in El Segundo, California. That's November 1st to the 4th. Again, that's Thursday to Sunday, November 1st to the 4th at Hacienda Hotel at LAX Airport in El Segundo, California. Again, this is the encounter of the Eastern Churches, the encounter of the Eastern Churches. Several speakers, and most importantly, a cross-section of the Eastern Catholic Churches is going to be there. They're going to come together and just kind of be Just kind of be together, exchange notes, exchange thoughts, exchange camaraderie, and you could be right in the middle of it and really kind of immerse yourself in the Eastern Catholic churches. There'll be different prayer sessions uh, according to the different Eastern Catholic churches that will be represented there. I'll be there. I'll be at the one in the Midwest, which happens September 20th to the 23rd, but we're looking forward now, of course, to the other ones, East and West, because time is running out. But you can register and find information by going to their website. That's Encounter2012EasternCatholicChurches.org. Encounter2012EasternCatholicChurches.org. Now, there's also something else happening, especially for women. And now it's happening in the Cleveland, Ohio area, which is at the heart of my particular eparchy of Parma. 
but it's for anybody, any women that want to come. It's called Set the World Ablaze, Women's Retreat, October 19th to the 21st, 2012. And that is sponsored by the Byzantine Catholic Cultural Center. It's a retreat for women. Again, for information, go to byzantineculturalcenter.org, byzantineculturalcenter.org. A retreat for women, October 19th to the 20th. And they'll be holding it at the Loyola Retreat House in Clinton, Ohio. Again, that's in the kind of Cleveland, Catnacron area. So again, byzantineculturalcenter.org. And you can go to the website, byzantineculturalcenter.org, to find out about other activities sponsored by the Byzantine Catholic Cultural Center, which is an interesting place in the Tremont area of Cleveland, which is an interesting area of Cleveland, kind of an old neighborhood that's kind of being regentrified. And also it's kind of a, it's an interesting mix of a neighborhood, but a lot of the old sense, the old neighborhood type senses there. In fact, they have a church there also, St. Theodosius Russian Orthodox Church, and that's the area where they filmed, you might remember, the Deer Hunter movie, which was a well-known movie back in the 70s. It was one of the first famous post-Vietnam movies called The Deer Hunter, and that was filmed right there in that area, Tremont area, and particularly at the Russian Orthodox Church of St. Theodosius. But we also have our Byzantine Cultural Center in that same area, and again, you can find out about it by going to byzantinecatholiccultureralcenter.org. Oh, stop by. If you're in the area, Cleveland, great to tour it. Actually, stop in, see our bishop, Bishop John Kudrick in Parma, and maybe you could even actually get down to the cultural center in the famous Tremont area. Everybody will know where it is. You go to Cleveland, just say, where's the Tremont area? And they'll tell you exactly where it is. So a couple of ways and things to immerse yourself in so as to go back to school, to kind of brush up and experience the Eastern Catholic Churches. Many times people ask me, where can we go to find out more about the Eastern Catholic Churches? Well, there's a couple of places right there. You can actually experience them, immerse yourself in them. The Encounter 2012, and also the Women's Retreat. There's also a couple of sites like easternchristianmedia.com, easternchristianmedia.com, and of course, this program itself, Light of the East. And I want to thank you for listening, especially I want to thank a couple of really good friends who just keep being so kind to us, always writing to us, keeping us informed, telling us about what they think about the program and what they want to hear and just all kinds of great stuff. So I'd like to thank our good friend out in Orinda, California, Sonia Cavazos, Sonia Cavazos in Orinda, California. Thanks for your recent letter, Sonia. And also Deacon Lawrence Hendricks from the Detroit area. Deacon Lawrence and Sonia, hello to you and God bless you for all your great, great kindness and prayerful support of Light of the East. Well, as I mentioned, we're going back to school, and I'm going to answer a couple of questions. It's kind of like the students raising their hand, teacher, teacher, and they ask a question. So the hand that's often raised, one of the hands is often raised to me, and I'll play the teacher, is, what do you mean by a Byzantine Catholic? What is an Eastern Catholic? Now, that sounds like a simple question over all this time, but it's time to kind of, as I mentioned, do a little review. A lot of times it's kind of good when you go back to school, do a little bit of review. And maybe it's the season for that. But it's an often asked question. And the funny thing about that question is that whenever I do answer it, even to a live audience, even at the end of my talk, some people still don't quite get it, especially our Latin Rite brethren, because the Latin Rite Church being the one that is most known, associated with the Catholic Church, and of course, by far the largest, especially in comparison to the Eastern churches in America, Oftentimes, it's just difficult for people to understand or really comprehend, kind of get it through their mind, that there are other ways of being Catholic, and those other ways are indeed Catholic. So, what makes an Eastern Catholic? Basically, it's this. Think of the church, like civilization, having developed along basically two approaches, two worldviews. John Paul II called this the two lungs of the church, East and West. So it's basically an Eastern perspective of life and a Western perspective. 
We're seeing, unfortunately, a clash of this in the geopolitical area, unfortunately, especially with the war of terrorism. Part of that is this age-old clash between East and West, actually, because it's different worldviews. It's kind of like man and woman, you know, male and female. They're supposed to get along. They're complementary. They're designed to be complementary. But because they're different, sometimes they have friction between them. Well, it's the same thing with Eastern and Western cultures. So as the church spread throughout the world, if it went east, it took on the character of the eastern culture it was in. If it went west, it took on the character of the western culture it was in. That should be easy enough, right? It shouldn't surprise you that the church has this kind of diversity. It took on the character, meaning the, the style, the, the customs, the expression. It adopted a lot of those means, the languages, the, the chant, the music, the flavor, the, you know, the ethos, the charism of the people and the culture. That's the genius of the church. It doesn't disturb or try to take away those things. It adopts those things, but uses them now for the gospel. And so that's exactly what happened in the history of the church. So eventually you ended up with an Eastern expression of the one same faith and a Western expression. Now, what happened, as I mentioned, oftentimes there's friction between complementary entities, and this friction, unfortunately, came to a peak in the 11th century, and the Eastern and Western churches split from each other. They had a great divorce. We call it the Great Schism. This happened in 1054 AD. From that time on, the West became known primarily as the Latin Rite, or the Roman Catholic Church, centered in Rome. The East became known as the Eastern Orthodox churches, and they had four centers, Alexandria, Jerusalem, Constantinople, and Antioch. Well, we're going to fast forward about 500 years. Starting in about the 15th and 16th centuries, parts, emphasis on the word parts, parts of the Eastern lung of the church began to reunite again with Rome, with the Roman Catholic, the Western lung of the church, and vice versa. And one of those churches is the church that I belong to, the Byzantine Catholic Church, and in particular, the Byzantine Catholic Church of the Ruthenian jurisdiction. So it began to have these partial reunions, which began, as I mentioned, in the 15th and 14th centuries. And that is what we know today as the Catholic Church, East and West. So actually, there's 21 different ways to be Catholic. There's about seven or eight different actual rites. But within those rites, there are different jurisdictions. Now, these jurisdictions are based upon uh, basically ethnic breakdown. In other words, their locations on the map in the world. For instance, I am a member of the Byzantine Catholic Church, but there's a number of jurisdictions that follow the Byzantine rite. And some of those jurisdictions are in areas such as the Middle East, the Belarus, Ukraine, Hungary, Slovakia. So these are all the jurisdictions. So mine is called the Ruthenian, which is an English word for Rusin jurisdiction. But it follows the Byzantine rite. So we have different rites and different jurisdictions within those rites. We have the same in the West, but primarily in the West, is there's just the Latin rite for all intents and purposes. But in the East, however, the diversity is alive and well <laughs> and, in, and in great numbers. So we have 21 different ways to be Catholic, if you want to put it in those terms, 21 different ways. In other words, different rites, and underneath those rites, those, those broad terms of rites, are the specific jurisdictions. And when we return, we're going to continue to entertain more questions from the students as we go back to school during the beginning of this fall school year. I'm Father Thomas Lawyer, your host on Light of the East. Light of the East mission is Christianity's Reunion. And to tell the story of the Eastern Lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by going to byzantinecatholic.com. 
That's ByzantineCatholic.com. Click on the radio button and then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, an Eastern Catholic priest and host of Light of the East Radio. As an Eastern Catholic, my spiritual and family heritage comes from Central Europe, a land that is all too familiar with religious persecution and assaults upon religious liberty. Precisely because of my spiritual and family background as an Eastern Catholic, it is with a certain credibility and urgency that I want to warn Americans of the danger of the recent health and human services mandate forcing religious institutions to do something against their consciences. Far from being just a simple piece of a government-inspired healthcare plan, the health and human services mandate springs from the same philosophies and worldviews that eventually led to the all-out persecution and assault on religious liberty in the areas of the world such as Eastern and Central Europe, Russia, and the Middle East. I am asking all of you to contact your government representatives and to support the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops in getting our government to rescind this unprecedented encroachment on religious liberty. You're listening to Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Glory to Jesus Christ. Glory to Him forever. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya with Katie Goulis for an Eastern Christian moment. The difference between what Pope John Paul II referred to as the two lungs of the church, East and West, is something like the difference between men and women. Men and women are both human, but they experience and express that same humanness in complementary ways through a fundamentally masculine perspective and a fundamentally feminine perspective. The Western lung of the church has a great genius for evangelizing, for moving out beyond itself to proclaim the gospel to the world. It is a strong sense of order, noble simplicity, reason, and a fundamentally vertical ecclesiology. The eastern lung of the church, like a beautiful queen, evangelizes by drawing people to herself through an overpowering beauty and mysticism. Church structure in the east is based upon a local ecclesiology. These differences are seen and expressed in the respect of liturgy, spirituality, art, architecture of both lungs of the church, east and west. To find out more about the eastern lung of the church, go to easternchristianmedia.com. Welcome back to Light of the East. Welcome back to school, I should say. This is a classroom today, and you are the students. You and the many people that I run into during my talks and just anywhere that often ask me kind of like basically the same question. So we're going to do some review. We're going to start the school year off by reviewing. And the first question we entertained from the student when they raised their hand was, what do we mean by an Eastern Catholic? What is Eastern Catholic? One of the things, though, to remember in answering that question, as I did in the first half, Briefly, I did, of course. I didn't exhaust the question. But it's to always remember that an Eastern Catholic is just that. They, they are Catholic. In other words, they are in full communion with the Pope of Rome. And yes, if you are a Latin Rite Catholic, you can receive Holy Communion in any Eastern Catholic liturgy. And if you decide to experience an Eastern Catholic liturgy on a Sunday, which I hope you do, at least once. You have to. I mean, you just have to. Even John Paul II said that. Well, he didn't say that specifically, but he said, in an apostolic letter apostolic letter from which we get the name of this program, Light of the East. His letter was called Orientale Lumen, which is Latin for Light of the East. He said that in that letter, it was a mandate for Latin Rite Catholics to learn about the Eastern Catholic churches, about the whole Eastern lung of the church. And one of the best ways, the best way is to experience their liturgies. Notice I said plural. There are several liturgies in the East. The liturgy that my church follows is called the Liturgy of St. John Chrysostom and also the Liturgy of St. Basil. 
We also have things like the Presanctified Liturgy, but primarily our liturgy is a liturgy of St. John Chrysostom. It's a Byzantine liturgy. So please experience a Byzantine liturgy or an Eastern Rite liturgy. And if you do, yes, if you're concerned about that question, because oftentimes the next question that's raised, the hand goes up, will it satisfy my obligation? In other words, if you're a Latin Rite Catholic and you go to church on Sunday to an Eastern Rite liturgy, yes, it will satisfy your obligation and you can receive Holy Communion. Now, one thing I will warn you about, if you are attending an Eastern liturgy, many Eastern Catholic churches and during their liturgies, you will see little babies or little children below the age of seven, receive Holy Communion. Now, the reason for this is that in the Eastern churches, we have preserved what was always the order of the three sacraments, baptism, chrismation, and Eucharist. That's the order. And that order was always given to candidates for baptism, regardless of their age. That's from the time of the early apostles. In other words, if you're baptized, you also receive chrismation at the same time within the same ceremony, separate sacrament, but same basic time within the same ceremony, and Holy Communion. These are the three sacraments of initiation, baptism, chrismation, Eucharist, and the Eastern churches have preserved that regardless of age. Sometimes it's referred to as giving Holy Communion to infants or infant communion, but that's actually not really accurate. I mean, it's what seems to be to the I when you see that, but it's really a matter of the sacraments and the age becomes irrelevant. Now you might say, but the child doesn't know what they're receiving. They don't have that awareness. Well, yes and no. First of all, in terms of awareness, what baby has a full awareness sacramentally of their baptism? Now naturally, this is why we have sponsors, godparents. Godparents are acting on behalf of the baby, if the baby is being baptized, which means that in a sense, by proxy, there's an understanding for the child of the meaning of baptism. But let's face it, the baby themselves does not understand fully baptism. And what child fully understands, even at their age of seven, the Eucharist? I mean, who can understand the, the mystery of the Eucharist? So this idea of understanding has to be qualified. It has to be understood maybe more broadly, more mystically, more deeply. But in terms of understanding, let me tell you from my experience as a priest, those babies, those little kids, I think they do know something. They might even know something that we as adults don't know, despite all the theology we might be reading and all the, all the Light of the East programs you've listened to. We still may not fully understand as they do, because I know when they come up for communion, there's something very, very special about that. And there's a sense that they know it is special. There's something very special that happens in their little innocent hearts. And it just makes so much sense. After all, whose soul is the most worthy to receive the body and blood of Christ in the church except that of an innocent child? Now, however, though, having said that, we do, of course, instruct the children. And at the age of reason, just like in the Latin rite, they do receive the sacrament of confession. But of course, obviously, we reserve that till about the age of, of seven, the age of reason, seven or eight. So that is the same as in the Latin rite. That, of course, can't really change. But baptism, confirmation, and Eucharist are given to any candidate for baptism regardless of age. So that's one thing you might see in an Eastern Catholic liturgy, not in every Eastern Catholic church, but in many of them, certainly in mine, that is the case. I'll never forget one time 
when a mother was coming up for Holy Communion, holding her little toddler. He was just barely able to talk. And I gave Holy Communion to his mother. And then I gave Holy Communion to the little toddler as she was holding him in her arms. And as she turned to go back to her place in the church, the little toddler belted out the top of his lungs, mm, mm, mommy, Jesus is good. And the whole congregation broke up. <laughs> as Jesus said, out of the mouths of babes. So believe me, they know. They know in a way that we adults maybe do not know. Now, another question is asked is, how big is your parish? Now, when I'm asked that question, I have to admit, I kind of like start to shuffle a little bit. I get almost like a little bit embarrassed. I guess I shouldn't, but the reason I do a little bit is because usually when I'm asked that, I'm being asked that by a Latin Rite Catholic who, in general, except for some areas, rural areas and so on, in general, are accustomed to what we would call very large parishes. That's a norm in the Latin Rite, especially in America, and that's good. And they should even be larger. But for us, these churches, our parishes, are very small comparatively. And that's why I kind of get a little uneasy at the question, only because I don't know if that person will fully understand. Because if I say, well, I have 170 families at my church and my parish, that would seem like very, very small to most Latin Rite Catholics. But for me, as a Byzantine Catholic priest, it's a a pretty actually a fair size for an Eastern Catholic church. Not large, but not small. Probably about mid-range to upper mid-range. And those 170 families keep my hands full, believe me, because it has to do with the type of church that we have. Even though it's smaller, there are things that are, that are different. Like, for instance, we don't have staffs and, and paid help and so on as a larger parish can afford. So I have to kind of be like a player coach. Most Eastern Catholic Pastors are player coaches. We sort of rope our sleeves and get really involved in all kinds of things as well as our purely pastoral duties. So Eastern churches tend to be smaller, comparatively speaking, in other words, in terms of their population. And we're also very spread out throughout the country. In fact, that's why certain Eastern Catholic churches, like the Chaldean Church, which is an Eastern Rite Church from Iraq, they have only one eparchy in the whole country. The Maronites, for instance, have only two eparchies. And by the way, eparchy means diocese. That's Eastern talk for diocese. My church has four eparchies or dioceses throughout the country. And my eparchy of Parma, which is centered in Cleveland, and I'd like to say hello to all of you listening on Living Bread Radio out of the Cleveland-Akron area, my eparchy, diocese, takes in 12 states. That's right, 12 states. That's why even though I'm in Chicago, I'm still centered out of Cleveland, Ohio, or specifically Parma. That's where my bishop is, Bishop John Kudrick. That's where our eparchy is. But we encompass the whole Midwest. Our other eparchies encompass the whole western part of the United States, Pittsburgh, sort of the uh, central eastern part, and then Passaic encompasses the entire eastern seaboard, north to south. So you could have a parish in Passaic, New Jersey, and also a parish in Florida, all in the same eparchy. So it's interesting. It's kind of like the state of California. You know how it's different from north to south? It's almost like different countries in, in itself. It's the same thing with our eparchies. They can be very, very different because they cover such large territories. So again, small in size, but large in territory. Now coming to the big question, which we don't have a lot of time to deal with today, but we'll continue to deal with in subsequent programs. It's kind of an ongoing question. It's the question. What is the difference between the Eastern Catholic Churches, and the Roman Catholic Church. It's always the million-dollar question. And it's, again, one of those that I get a little 
nervous about, kind of in a good way, because I realize that the person is looking for a rather simple answer. But there is no simple answer to this. It's a very comprehensive answer. I won't say complex, just comprehensive. In other words, the differences are, they're a world of difference. Not that they're dramatically different, but there's entire worldviews, entire spiritualities, entire traditions, which have more to do with expression and emphasis than they do with belief. I mean, let's face it, if we're Catholic, we're Catholic. Eastern and Western Catholics, we do not disagree on beliefs. We just have, in many cases, different ways of arriving at those same beliefs, that same one faith and church known as Catholic. That is the genius of the church that breathes with both lungs, East and West. It is that genius that we seek to bring to you on this program. Thanks for listening. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Would you like to hear this Light of the East program again? Welcome to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loya. Or hear Father Loya's companion program, A Body of Truth. Just visit the radio page at byzantinecatholic.com. That's byzantinecatholic.com. Or hear it again. Hear it again. Hear it again. Hear it again. For the first time. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the light of the East. To find out more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue this program with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount would be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East 14610 Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois 60491. That's Light of the East 14610 Will Cook Road spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K, Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. From the light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God bless you and grant you many happy years. <laughs>